0: Hello and welcome to another episode of MN Miracle. Uh, this week, after a big Packers-Vikings game this weekend, um, obviously went in the, the favor of Minnesota here. Uh, kind of a shocking victory um, from my perspective, and I think the Vikings fans were a little bit shocked as well. Um, yeah, you just don't see a team. They lose to Atlanta and are struggling and don't really have an identity. Selling off pieces and Gakwe is gone. You just don't expect the Packers to come out and lose to them. Um, yeah, Wood, you want to give your thoughts first, and then I can kind of go.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Drew. Like you said, a completely unexpected win for the Minnesota Vikings. Even a big Vikings fan, such as myself, did not see that coming. And you look at the Vikings, like you said, trading off a guy like and Ngakwe, who's obviously maybe not the best fit in the defense, but still performing at a very high level statistically. And then, you know, you're already down Mike Hughes and Holton Hill. Cameron Dancer was on the COVID list, ends up playing, but then ends up getting uh, carted off in a very scary injury. Looks like he's going to be okay now, thankfully. But, you know, you lose him. You're already down your top guys. I think Gladney Gladney still ended up playing as well. But then, you know, you even get guys like Chris Boyd and Mark Fields getting hurt. So you're down Mm -hmm. to the point where you have, you know, safeties, playing cornerback you had Adam Phelan wanting to go in to play cornerback I mean this defense is really just like Mike Zimmer said a couple of times throughout the week pulling in guys off the street to fill in in that secondary mm-hmm. so it's very impressive that the Vikings were able to um hold together on defense and yeah. hold the Green Bay Packers to just uh 21 points
0: yeah um and especially shutting down Devontae all game too 20, pretty much sorry. um yeah. after he went off for what 14 catches the week before absolutely um Elite wide receiver, if not, I think he's top two, uh, him and D Hop. Um, but yeah, I mean, with all those guys out, you just expect them to target Devontae. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, they had a couple of their weapons out. Aaron Jones yeah. is out. Um, obviously, this upcoming week they're they're down. A J Dillon, Tyler Irvin was out for a few weeks before that, and Jamal Williams is also out because Dillon as well. So the COVID issues are another thing coming into this next week. But yeah, you just expect the Packers um, to come out with that same passing attack and kind of that two-headed monster that they have going here. But, yeah, just couldn't get it rolling on offense. I mean, the first half was dominated by time of possession for both teams. I mean, you had four total possessions, no stops. So, 14-14 at half, and Packers didn't come out offensively the same way that they were in the first half. Um, Credit to the Vikings' defense, I guess, but a little bit shocking. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can tell they need some wide receiver help. I mean, it's obvious when they're down Lazard, um, and then you you lose a guy out of the backfield like Aaron Jones, um, they need extra help because all this gambling is just not going to cut it as a yeah. wide receiver two or three. So, yeah, I mean, I mean they missed the trade deadline here. Um, they were looking at Will Fuller and other op- opportunities, um, but just didn't come through there. So, uh, yeah, it was very surprising for me from a Packers fan perspective. Uh, pretty frustrating game. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think um... – What was interesting to me was the fact that the Packers, in that first half, they were dominating time of possession. They seemed to be having a lot of success, actually, in the run game with A.J. Dillon. Mm -hmm. And they got away from that a lot in the second half, and I thought that was pretty curious. Obviously, you do think that you could have an advantage targeting those, um, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth-string corners on the Vikings. But, um, you know, like I said, they held up, and I thought it was very curious that they got away from that run game that was having success. It was a very, very windy day. Yep at Lambeau Field, and that's why the Vikings, I think, you know, ran the ball so much, you know, um, and even when Kirk Cousins did throw the ball, I think his average depth of target was like, you know, something around two two yards past the line of scrimmage, so when he was throwing the ball, it was, you know, dump it off and let the guy get some yards after the catch. Um, one very notable play was the ball he actually threw about four yards behind the line of scrimmage to Dalvin Cook, that he then took 50 yards for a brilliant touchdown, Great blocking as well for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, you do have to credit that offensive line. I think they are a bit better at run blocking than pass blocking, which may have helped. But a lot of those plays where Dalvin Cook broke off some big runs, you could see guys, you know, Brian O'Neill, Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, blocking down the field for him and uh, contributing in that way. So mm-hmm. credit to Dalvin Cook. Absolutely the best offensive performance this week, but credit to that offensive line as well.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah, the Packers' defense is frustrating to watch from my perspective as well. It's just they have consistently shown the trend of not being able to stop the run. I mean, you saw it in the NFC Championship game last mm-hmm. year, and that's should have been a point of emphasis in my uh, my mind in the off season. Something you should have addressed in the draft. I mean, we could go into it with Jordan Love pick in the first round. Yeah, when you could be a, a addressing issues that are more important and that are way more standout. Um, you don't you don't need a quarterback when you have a guy in Aaron Rodgers who's signed four more years and you could be addressing issues that are clearly obvious they need to address um, the run the run defense and you could have got a guy at D tackle. I mean, they got Kenny Clark, um, but more help in interior linemen um, and middle linebacker. Uh, they lost Blake Martinez, um, fill him with Christian Kirksey, who is injury prone. Been out pretty much all year, so yeah, it's just uh, it's frustrating to see them not actually address anything in the in the first round and not address it using draft picks. And you didn't see them get uh, Aaron Rodgers any help on offense either. Um, so yeah, what what did you see on the defensive side of the ball in this game for for both teams?
1: Well, I think that the Vikings defense, you know, they held up very well despite being down so many uh key guys in that secondary. Um, you know, really got to give them a lot of credit there. Um. They still did not get a lot of pressure on the quarterback, despite DJ Wanham's, you know, sack to strip fumble sack to uh, clinch the game there. You really still are not getting a lot of pressure from what's a very young defensive line from the Vikings that just traded away unique and Gakwe, You know, it's, you know, that's something that's going to need to be improved upon in the coming weeks if the Vikings are going to continue to try and, you know, stay competitive, rack up some wins, which they do have the ability to do with the pretty soft upcoming schedule here, but you know that that's something they'll need to look at you know the secondary played well all things considered and um, one standout performance I'd really love to highlight is uh, Eric Kendricks um, maybe one of the best plays of the game in my opinion was um, his pass breakup he got matched up with Devontae Adams over the middle and went stride for stride with him broke up the pass beautifully I mean that's just that's elite level play right there mm-hmm. and that's what you expect from your all pro, yeah. all pro middle linebacker
0: yeah and you 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 hardly see D-backs, uh, managing Devontae and seeing a middle linebacker going out there and making a play like that is Mm -hmm. incredible. So yeah, that's what you expect from an all-pro guy and making plays like that is what's going to make him stand out. And that's huge. Um, yeah, uh, Vikings are kind of at a weird, weird point in the season. Um, middle of the road, not even middle of the road, uh, two and six record wise, but in a weird middle ground, I'd say where you're competitive and could have been four and four, but, um, yeah, you you can't really say that they have a shot at a playoff run, especially in a competitive division here with the Bears at five and three. Packers are five or yeah, Packers are five and two, um, and the Lions are even competitive this year. So it's going to be tough um, to even get a wild card spot this year for them. So that's a it's a weird point where some fans want to see a rebuild and others want to them to be competitive. Um, obviously, you've got to win as many games as you can this year and and push to be successful this year, but uh definitely want to look at success coming forward for the the next couple
1: well, of years. Here's what I'll say. The Vikings they're 2 and 5 actually. So, I mean, oh, that's still yeah. by no means a great record mm-hmm. and I don't want to defend that. Mm-hmm. Lions are at 3 and 4. So, if the Vikings can beat a very beatable Detroit Lions team that just lost a lot of key contributors this yeah. past week, you know, they they pull even with them at 3 and 5. Yeah. You then have coming up for the Vikings in the weeks after that, mm-hmm. um, you got you got a pretty easy run of games coming up playing the bears which is always a tough one but then you have the cowboys the panthers the jaguars and then you get into a tougher stretch with the buccaneers the bears and the saints and then you end again on the lions Mm -hmm. so it it is very possible that with the expanded playoffs this year the vikings are not out of it granted it's a very very difficult road they have in front of them and i'm not saying it's likely at all yeah but that path exists and you don't want to discount it Mm -hmm. that said I do think the Vikings should be looking towards the future as well. You shouldn't be going all in on this year with the trade deadline passed, a very quiet trade deadline across the NFL and the deals that you did see. You know, you weren't getting a lot of value back for some of these rental players, but um, I think they have kind of backed themselves into a bit of a corner, especially with this Kirk Cousins deal, um, the extension that they've given him this past offseason. I think he very likely will be the starter next year. And you know, well, that shouldn't rule you out from picking a quarterback if you feel like you have the quarterback of the future in the draft. Mm-hmm. I do think he's going to be under center next year, and that's you know that's something to consider. Yeah,
0: yeah, and the scheduling is is good for the Vikings, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And you get you get the Packers out of the way early here, yep. uh, and especially to steal away from a steal a win away from a good team like the Packers and get uh, go one and one on the season against them. Uh, They have some easier divisional opponents. Um, Bears are obviously in some turmoil at this point, uh, losing a few straight with Nick Foles. And what are they going to do with that situation? Are they going to go back to Trubisky? Do you stick with Foles? It's kind of a weird point for the Bears. So hopefully the Vikings can take advantage of having a few games against them. Um, And then the Lions as well. I I think the Lions are a competitive team. Um, It should be an interesting run for the Vikings. Uh, They got the Jags, like you mentioned. So uh, they have a few tough games in there, but for the most part, they got a pretty easy schedule in the back half. Um, yeah, so we can touch a little bit on some Week 8 highlights and go over a few of the key games. Uh, huge matchup um, with the Steelers and the Ravens. Uh, you saw the Steelers get the win 28-24, um, four turnovers by Lamar Jackson. Um, after only, I think he had two picks coming into this game, um, so yeah, it was a it was a weird game. It's, it's obvious to see that Steelers defense is great. And we talked about this last episode, they have so many playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Bud the Minka make Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, all those guys, and you saw him come to play um, against the Ravens and put a stop to Lamar Jackson, the Ravens offense. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it was huge for them on the defensive side of the ball. I, I think they had a pick six, right? I believe, I believe so. so. Yeah, so when you get defensive scores like that, it makes it a lot easier for your offense to compete and for the team to get a win there.
1: What did you think about that game? Well, yeah, I mean, they lose an all-world linebacker like Devin Bush, which is obviously a huge blow for them, and they turn around and they go get uh, Avery Williamson, who was one of the only bright spots on a future Jets team. You talk about a turnaround there going from 0-8 yeah. to 7 and all Can't yeah. get much better than yep. that. Yeah, he's um, life. Yeah, so that was uh, – that was a good pickup for them, and they, they are rolling right now. Big Ben has, you know, come back in. He's had to alter what he does a little bit, but they have certainly looked fantastic, and they got a rookie in Chase Claypool who has um, played very, very well in addition to the guys that they have already had. So definitely not a team to be discounted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you see the Miami
0: Dolphins with Tua in his first official NFL start uh get their get his first win um i think what did you bring up the 96 yards or something passing 93 so, yeah yeah not a lot through the air but you still see um two get his first win there for miami i didn't get to watch a whole lot of that game but that's a, a big headline
1: um did you get to watch any of that got a little bit of it and yeah the most notable thing dolphins now four and three you know very much in the afc playoff on tier um and I think the Dolphins put two in a good position. They didn't ask him to do too much. They, I think they wanted to ease him a little bit into his first start. Obviously got a lot of help from the defense and the special teams, beat a very solid Los Angeles Rams team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, great to see him after that terrible injury he suffered last year, get yeah. onto the field and get his first NFL victory. Yeah. And I think they'll, you know, be asking him to do more going forward. I think a lot of people question the decision to move on from Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. when he got you to that 3-3 and record going into the bye. but. Obviously, for this team, they believe that uh, Tua Tag- Tagovailoa is the future of the football club. And, um, you know, that's the guy you want to roll with going forward. So I think it's wise to get a good look at him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of pressure on him as well after you mentioned the two or three straight wins by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. And everyone was kind of questioning that decision, myself included. Um, I think you kind of ride that, that wave with Ryan Fitzpatrick if I was him and let Tua sit behind and learn from a guy like that. I think they had him in what a perfect position. But. I guess if you want to get your guy in there and that's who they want to roll with uh go for it mm-hmm. um and it's especially nice for the dolphins to actually not be in a division where the patriots are going to dominate this year so they definitely got a i got a shot with the patriots losing their fourth straight last week um we've talk a little bit about that cam newton since he's came back from um, covid uh has not played his best um not thrown any t- i i don't know if he's thrown a touchdown the last two or three games um, he's really struggling, and yeah. the team is struggling in general. Um, they lost a couple of guys in the offseason to sitting out from COVID, and yeah.
1: you lo- you lose the guys like
0: that on defense, and uh, obviously Brady being shipped off, it changes the whole outlook of the team, and you mm-hmm. can tell that right now, so it's going to be a tough one for the Patriots this year. What do you think?
1: Well, and outside of Julian Edelman, he really has no help on the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, like you said, I don't think they're in a great position with all the defensive players who are down, but you look at the guys that the Patriots have drafted over the last several years and, you know, really they're not drafting Mm -hmm. a lot of great contributors on offense. Mm -hmm. They haven't, you know, it's been the Tom Brady show, obviously, for the last 20 years and rightfully so. And I think this kind of discredits the notion that he was in some way a system quarterback. He is a truly talented player that elevated the guys around him. And obviously you did have guys as well, like Rob Gronkowski, who is, you know, he was massive for that team, but Mm -hmm. You know when you don't have the guys around cam on that offense, you know it's gonna be very difficult yeah. for them to win a lot of football games. and um, I think you've seen that. Yeah, and it seems like uh, they're addressing most of their offseason
0: issues through free agency recently. Um, you talk about them not drafting anyone. I don't think I saw some something on ESPN that they haven't had like an all pro or uh, pro bowler that they drafted since twenty twelve or twenty thirteen um so that was an interesting stat and yeah you you don't see a lot of um homegrown talent on the patriots they usually address their issues through the free agency and now it's coming to bite them a little bit um and belichick talked about it i believe they kind of sold they you got to sell out and i mean it's well worth it when you win three championships in the last four or five years so yeah, uh, it's a it's a dynasty like no other. So certainly can't complain. If yeah, age, it's fine. right. I mean, it was gonna have to come to an end at some point. Yeah. So here it is. Um, yeah, talking a little bit about the Cowboys. Uh, I think they put up three points this week. <laughs> uh, they are they are so bad. Um, yeah, I watch most of their games every week, and even when they had Dak, their defense, their defense couldn't do anything to stop anyone. They literally Man. had to score on almost every possession to stay competitive in these games. So when you don't have Dak and he's not carrying the team and the offense isn't uh firing on all cylinders and you got Danucci out there and I don't even think he's gonna play this week I think it's Gilbert is gonna he's <laughs> gonna start so Jeez. man it's getting bad in um in Dallas and especially even next year you're worrying about uh getting Dak re-signed and the money issues there, um, it's going to be a tumultuous couple of years, but they are just hard to watch sometimes.
1: Well, to their credit, I do believe they actually put up nine, but those were <sighs> all thanks to uh, Greg Zerline's leg. Yep. And, yeah, I mean, you see against a Philadelphia team missing, you know, Miles Sanders, they got Boston Scott out there. They're missing a ton of guys off their O-line. A lot of, you know, offensive starters, you know, they're just not looking competitive. Ben DiNucci, you know, God bless him, but he's certainly not an NFL starting quarterback for a competitive team Mm -hmm. that whole division is an embarrassment on the league right now (laughs) i mean you're going to have possibly a five or six win team hosting a home playoff game yeah so it's it's really just tough to watch and you know i don't really have any sympathy for cowboys fans but um you know it's just it's hard to watch those games because it's not a level of football that Mm -hmm you know, should be put forth at an NFL yeah.
0: level. Yeah, especially, I mean, we get all these games on primetime. Mm-hmm. Everyone in America has to watch the NFC yeah. East almost every week on primetime for whatever reason. Cowboys are America's team, so they're going to get a lot of primetime games, and then they're putting out a product that nobody wants to watch, and that seems to be the trend with Monday night football and Thursday night football. You're getting a lot of bad bad games. Um, but, yeah, it's something that um, – yeah, something that the NFL needs to really take a look at. I, I think it's the contract deals with their side football. But, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's terrible product that they're putting mm. out on some of these games on prime time. And uh, I think that needs to be addressed, especially Monday Night Football, too. Um, moving into the Buccaneers, um, going into New York and stealing a win late there. Um, that was big <laughs> for the Buccaneers. I mean,
1: yeah.
0: Daniel Jones, you talk about the last play. Um, they're down two after they get a touchdown late and, um, you can talk about the PI call Mm -hmm. on Winfield, but I actually liked the call. I thought it was a very bang, bang play. And for the refs to get together and discuss it and pick up that flag, I think was the right call. I mean, the the refs in the earlier game with the Packers, I didn't like them picking up Tanyan. (laughs) I thought that was one of the most blatantly PI calls of the game and that for them to get together and pick that up after they initially called it was baffling to me. But, yeah, I thought in that scenario that was the right move. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, you got to give Daniel Jones credit. Um, throughout a lot of the game, he was missing on a lot of throws. Like, there were so many times where he's overthrowing guys, but that was a heck of a strike there in the end zone, and um, you got to give him credit. Um, I mean, the crazy catch by Golden tape. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's got to be concerning for the Buccaneers that you even let the – Giants being in this game this late that mm-hmm. is not a good New York Giants mm-hmm. team they you know you don't have Saquon Barkley I mean it, mm-hmm. it's not a team that should be making that game close at all and I think the Buccaneers you know we're struggling to finish off drives a lot of the games you saw Tom Brady getting very frustrated on the sideline and I think you know that might serve as a wake-up call for them that they need to um prove on offense a little bit they honestly their defense might be better than their offense right now oh, yeah. you know they have oh yeah probably the best linebacker duo in the league with Tevin White and Levante David, well, Levante David on the outside, Um, you know, you got Antoine Winfield Jr. in the secondary, you got a lot of great pieces on defense, and um, you know, I think that'll be a very competitive team throughout the year, but I think they need to um, play a little bit better than that, especially on offense. Yeah, and I got to witness
0: that defense a a few weeks Mm -hmm. ago, just absolutely stalemate the Packers, so yeah, I can tell you from uh, watching that game that that is a, a great defense. They actually they shut them down after the first quarter, I believe. Yeah. I think the Packers put up 14 in the first and then went on defense, just stopped them every time and they put up 38 straight and game's over. So yeah, they have a great defense and um, it's just a confusing team because you watch them beat an elite team like the Packers and then, yeah, struggle with the Giants, which seems to be a trend with good teams are struggling with some bad teams this year. It's It's kind of an interesting thing to watch um but moving away from week eight into week nine we'll talk about a few of the important games We'll talk about green bay and minnesota obviously um we can talk about minnesota and detroit first um looking at that game what are your thoughts going into that and
1: how do you, how do you think the team is going to look i mean i frankly the vikings are favored here and i frankly do think it's a game they should win this is a detroit team that struggled a lot this year they were just blown out by the indianapolis Colts. which to be fair the vikings We're also blown out by the Indianapolis Colts, but I just think, you know, they lost a lot of guys last week and, you know, Detroit's always just a team that seems like they can't put it together. They're not giving Kenny Galladay enough of the football, who is probably their most talented offensive player right now. And I think there was some news about Matt Stafford possibly having COVID contact. Mm. If that were to be the case, absolutely no reason the Vikings shouldn't win the game. So regardless of that, I think that Minnesota is a better team and they should get the victory, but um, you never know this year.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. I think Minnesota is going to come out on top here. Uh, I do like Detroit. I think they're more competitive than they have been in the past, especially getting Matt Stafford back this year. I think he's a he's a quarterback that's always going to keep you in games, um, and, yeah, he can, he can sling the ball. Uh, the COVID cases are all around the league, though, now. I mean, you got um, the Ravens have an outbreak. The Packers now have an outbreak with Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon. Um, the Niners just reported a case earlier today, I believe. So Thursday game is potentially uh, in jeopardy for that. Um, I, I'm almost surprised they didn't call it after Green Bay had those those few contacts. So um, I earlier in the season they were calling those games off. Uh, the Patriots got their game moved back, I believe, and they have moved a few back. Um, I was just surprised that after such a short turnover, they're only they're from Sunday to Thursday, and they're not going to call it. Uh, or move it back. It was yeah. just a little bit shocking, I guess. Um, yeah. And it still could potentially. Move and they're back, tightening
1: but... up the protocols now in response to that. So we'll see yeah. how the next few weeks look, especially right. on the sidelines.
0: Yeah, it's concerning for the rest of the NFL yes. schedule, though, if this keeps happening. So, um, yeah, we'll talk about uh, Seattle Buffalo. Um, that's another huge matchup this week. Um, yep. A uh, very high powered matchup coming into this week. Uh, you look at. Everyone's power rankings, and it's usually Seattle is one or two, um, right up there with the Chiefs. And the Bills are coming off of a, a few close wins to some less than stellar teams, um, coming off the Pats win this this last week, and then only beating the Jets by eight points the week before. So it was a tight matchup against two um, not great teams, and then they got beat by the Chiefs the week before that, and the Titans they got absolutely smoked by. Um, Who knows what happened with that one. I think it could have been due to some COVID reasons and the Titans had a little bit of a bye week in a sense and
1: rested up their guys. But uh, what are you thinking going into that matchup? Um, I think it's going to be a good run. Obviously, again, two very high-powered offenses. Um, I like Seattle overall. I just think, you know, they have the better quarterback and Russell Wilson's playing at an MVP level this season, and I think that's going to carry them to a victory, I think, you know, you can see DK Metcalf is getting better each week, is up there in the conversation for the best wideout in the NFL right now. Yeah. Guy is absolutely superhuman. So mm. I think it's going to be a good one, but if I had to put my money somewhere, it would be on the Seahawks.
0: Yeah, I'll take the Seahawks as well. Um, due to all the lists, uh, the reasons you said, plus Josh Allen has really not played his best football in the last four weeks after being an MVP contender throughout the, the first few weeks there. Yeah. Um, He's obviously a good quarterback, and he's going to have a long, successful career in Buffalo. But um, right now, it's, it seems like he's still working out some kinks on the offense there. Um, moving into another matchup with the Saints and the Buccaneers. Uh, another very high-powered uh, high offensive matchup. Uh, you got two veteran quarterbacks in Drew Brees and Tom Brady. Um, the Saints' offense has kind of carried them to wins all year. Tampa, I think is more two dimensional where they actually have a defense. And uh, we talked about this earlier with they they can get stops when they need to and they have a lot of playmakers on that defensive side of the ball. So it's not just the offense and Brady necessarily carrying them. I think it's more of a two dimensional attack rather than uh, I think New Orleans kind of is in more of these high-scoring games that they find themselves in a lot of the time uh, because they don't have a stellar defense. It's it's kind of similar to Green Bay's situation in mm-hmm. my my thought. Uh, what do you think about that matchup?
1: Yeah, you know, they're definitely not perfect teams, I think. You know, if they could get Michael Thomas back, that would be great because their offense right now is predicated yeah. so much on Alvin Kamara. You know, and you see, again, like we mentioned earlier, the Bucks struggling so much last week against the, um, the Giants. So it's definitely going to be a toss-up here. I, I would put my money on the Bucks, but it, that'll be a good game between two very uh, talented teams.
0: Yeah, and both have a, a, elite wide receivers, especially Tampa. Now that they picked up Antonio Brown, you got three number one wide receivers. Oh gosh, that's going to yeah. be that's going to be such an interesting dynamic, yeah. though. In my mind, uh, you got. Three number one wide receivers who are all probably gonna want a lot of touches. Mm-hmm. I don't think Evans has nearly seen the amount of touches he has no. in previous years. So Scotty Miller. Be sure interesting. Has. Yeah, right. For some they're reason. getting him in, they're getting him involved. <laughs> getting but, him too involved. Right. So it's it's very interesting situation there. Hopefully none of them are uh, gonna have some diva moments and hopefully the team chemistry is oh, there. Yeah. Um I don't know who I'll take on this one. I think I think I'm leaning towards Tampa Bay. <laughs> Uh, just, just cause what I said, the, the two-dimensional attack, and I think they have a very good defense mm-hmm. that can carry on the wins. So mm-hmm. that'll be important in this game against Drew Brees and Alvin Camara. And, uh, well, it's a totally different ball game. If Michael Thomas is back, though. Yeah, that is a huge point of emphasis. Um, and then we'll talk about green Bay and San Fran, um, uh, NFC championship rematch from last year. This one's going to be interesting. Um, after seeing them in the NFC Championship last year not being able to stop the run and seeing them again get torched by Dalvin Cook last week on the uh, in the running game, it seems like they know what their game plan is going to be coming into this week. Um, I am not super confident as a Green Bay fan that we are going to be able to stop the run. Um, I know is Raheem Mostert is still
1: out. Well, here's what I'll say. Yeah. I would be confident as a Green Bay fan because Jimmy Garoppolo is done likely for the year. Yeah, George Coleman, Kittle is yeah, out right. likely for the year. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if most of it will be healthy, but Kevin mm. Coleman's still banged yeah. up. You do have, you know, Jarek McKinnon, Jermichael Hasty. I think the run game, the backs are effectively interchangeable because yeah. it's just the scheme. But you're going to have Nick Mullins under center, and he's not mm-hmm. going to have his top weapons. So I think, you know, San Fran's defense is always a factor, even with Bosa out. But I, I just think they're going to have an anemic offense that Green Bay should be able to sell out to stop the run. I don't think Nick Mullins mm-hmm. is going to be able to beat them through the air, mm-hmm. and I think this is a game a game that Green Bay should and needs to win.
0: Yeah, but Green Bay is also missing a lot of weapons. I mean, they are. They're going to have Tyler Irvin starting at running back. Uh, Williams and Dylan and Jones are all out, mm-hmm. so it's up to Irvin to carry that backfield. Hopefully he can do it I don't know what the status of Alan Lazard is but um, yeah I don't know there's a lot of missing pieces on both teams obviously losing Garoppolo is a big piece that Mm -hmm. I semi forgot about before (laughs) this so yeah I don't know it's I'm gonna take my boys obviously Mm -hmm. but I think it's gonna be closer than people expect with Garoppolo out I I think Green Bay is kind of struggling right now for sure Um, yeah we'll move into we'll just touch briefly on uh, the MLB and the NBA so uh, we're probably a week or two out of the World Series um, against the, with the Rays and the Dodgers. Um, game four was a big game for the Rays. We didn't really get to talk a lot about um, the MLB playoffs. Um, but, yeah, the, I didn't get to watch a whole ton of it. Um, game four I saw the last few innings and especially that last – yeah, I watched like the whole ninth inning with that little league type play. Um, at the end with two errors on one play, Mm -hmm. uh, kicking the ball in the outfield and then not getting the relay home uh, was just a killer when they had a Rosarena dead at home. Um, That was a big game, but the Dodgers were able to pull it out in the end, and I think that was typically what most fans were expecting. Yep. Um, Dodgers have a great pitching staff and a great lineup and multiple MVB- MVPs on their lineup. It's just hard to compete with. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers, you know, ultimately were the better and more talented team, and you got to give them props for that. Um, you know, I'm the Rays put up a good fight, and it's nice to see a team like that compete, mm-hmm. you know, kind of against all the odds. But I will say this, you know, despite the Rays being there, you know, I I think it was the same old for a lot of people with the Dodgers and there's a reason it was the, got the lowest ratings in a very long time. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I think it was a very good, fairly memorable series, but it's not going to be, you know, the greatest of all time. You got to give a lot of credit to Randy Rosarena. I mean, he was just absolutely fantastic. I mean, I thought you could even give him a shout for MVP on the losing team. So (laughs) it was really, um, it was good to see the Rays make a run like that, but um, it's going to be a very interesting offseason here in the MLB. We can get into that in the next uh, coming weeks, but mm-hmm. um, you see some guys I can touch on briefly there. You see some guys like Brad Hand had a $10 million option to climb. That's a guy that's been one of the top relievers in the MLB. You see Charlie Morton, $15 million of one year, was fantastic in the playoffs and You know, uh, he struggled in his World Series start, but was lights out against the Yankees. You see Colton Wong, a former Gold Glove winner, one year, $12.5 million option declined. So you're already seeing a lot of these teams, you know, with the effects of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, It was reported that MLB lost a lot of money last year. And you're seeing these teams maybe starting to uh, tighten their purse strings a little bit. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how teams, you know, namely the Twins, will be approaching this free agency period. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And we mentioned a Um, guy absolutely carried him through the playoffs mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, I think most of the guys on the Rays lineup were batting low 200s, if that. Um, you didn't see guys like Austin Meadows, who you saw last year with the breakout season mm-hmm. this year. I don't think he really? stepped up as much. But, um, yeah, a lot of those guys weren't coming to the plate. And a Reina saved them in a lot of those situations. Um, and even Kevin Cash admitted to that. Uh when they interviewed him during the middle of the game, he's like, "Yeah, our, our guys need to step up. Randy has pretty much carried our ball club."
1: Yeah, one th- bringing up Kevin Cash, the one thing I have to touch on, mm. I cannot believe he pulled Blake Snell in Game Six. Oh, yeah, I he, oh yeah. you struck okay. uh, you struck out half the guys yeah. you faced. You're only at seventy pitches. I cannot believe he didn't roll with his guy there. I think that was yeah just an unbelievably bad decision by kevin cash i don't know you know if there's an analytic decision behind it but i just cannot no matter what i can't yeah you gotta ride your guy
0: there i think yeah majority of the baseball world was confused by that move um you you're in game six with an ace in and this is an elimination game you have to win this this and he's not going to go game seven anyway it's not like you're saving his arm for anything let him ride yeah. until he's done. This is your ace, and he's pitching up, out mm-hmm. of his mind. And Snow Let was him. frustrated. With right, that. I know. And he should have been. It was justified. Mm-hmm. That was a very confusing move as well yeah. to me, uh, and I think majority of baseball fans, my dad immediately texted me and yeah. was like, what are they doing? It's are they trying to lose the series? And yep. unfortunately, it did lose them the series. So uh, who knows what could have happened yep. if Blake Snell stays in the game. It goes to game seven. What happens there? So uh yeah moving into the nba uh drafts coming up i think it, what did you say november 18th yeah
1: so we're looking at november 18th and that is set for the nba draft so that's uh coming up in the next couple weeks here and then they are uh the nba players association and the owners are closing in on a tentative december 22nd start date for the league they're reportedly very close to that and what you'd be looking at there is i believe a 72 game regular season Something like 16 to 18 back-to-backs. You'd have the 7 through 10 teams in a play-in series for the playoffs. And then you'd aim at wrapping up in mid-July just shy of the Olympics. So that would allow you to fulfill all your TV rights deals, not be overlapping with the Olympics at all, and wrap everything up in order to get the season back on your normal October to June track going into the next season. So that's what you're looking at there. It's obviously a very expedited timeline. You have a very quick turnaround with the draft, free agency, training camps, but um, that's what we're looking at right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh,
0: you want to talk a little bit about some of the potential Wolves moves uh, as well? We talked yeah. about it last, week, mm-hmm. or last episode, um, potentially going to move the pick. There's a few prospects that the Wolves are thinking about. Uh, where do you think they're going to go with this?
1: Yeah, so I think the Wolves are obviously very happy to get the number one pick. You'd obviously rather have the ability to pick higher rather than being lower in the draft. That said, the Wolves are in kind of a good and bad position at the same time. None of the guys that the Wolves are considering for the top three, which are LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, and James Wiseman, are perfect fit for the Wolves for various reasons. That said, it also gives the Wolves the ability to kind of send up smoke screens and not have it be obvious that they're going to pick one guy, so they can potentially say you know, if a team is really, really set on getting one of those guys say, Hey, if you really want him, you're going to have to deal with us. Cause we could take him. you know, if you want to jump over golden state, you know, you're going to have to deal with us. So I think that does give the wolves a little bit of leverage. And I think, um, you know, Gerson Rosa Sachin Gupta, on the wolves front office is doing a good job of not overplaying their hand. Um, you know, I think they're willing to make the pick if it does come to that, they're saying that. And I, I do actually believe they will make the pick if necessary, you know, maybe they will still deal that pick if they end up making it. But um, you know, I think there's no shortage of trade options. That said, it's not the greatest year because you also don't have a clear cut number one guy like Zion Williamson, Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns that teams are going to be desperate to get up for. So the the value of the pick may be depressed a little bit, but um, you know, you could trade back, you could trade it for a proven veteran player, you could trade out of the draft. We will we're gonna have to wait and see what the Wolves will do, but not a lot of clear signs early on.
0: Yeah. If you're a Minnesota Wolves fan or just from your perspective, if we are staying in the draft and we're not trading away this pick, who are you taking from those three guys?
1: It's really tough. I think it's got, I don't think Jaden's Wiseman is a fit. So I think it comes down to Lamelo Ball or Anthony Edwards. And from there, I honestly think it might be Lamelo Ball. Mm-hmm. He's definitely a risky pick, but I think he has more upside. He has a great ability to make plays. And you know, there could be potential headaches that come along with that, but I think he is likely the better pick. You have a guy with like Anthony Edwards who you might worry about a bit of redundancy with him being a high-powered offensive and, you know, very, very concerning on the defensive end, which is, you know, just like D'Angelo Russell, just like Karl-Anthony Towns. And he's also a guy whose motor has been in question, which, you know, might remind Wolves fans of a certain number 22, yeah. Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. <laughs> and you know you're maybe not looking to repeat that and although again he does have a lot of talent you know none of these picks are perfect but i would go with lamello yeah and the wolves have had some concerning drafts in the past
0: i Mm -hmm. think they got it right with carl but yeah when you look at their their history it's it's been a pretty brutal draft history over the last 15 to 20 years they have traditionally not drafted well so i could see this pick not working out so Yeah, yeah, I'd I'd
1: rather have him trade it, to be honest. Well, and here's the thing, too. I would say, you know, it is a new front office. I do like a lot of the moves that Gerson Roses has made, but it's only been one year, but you already have to be questioning the decision to trade up from 11 and trade Dario Saric and the pick that would end up being Cam Johnson. For Jarrett Culver, a guy that looked, you know, he was putrid offensively, shooting around 40% from the line, shooting around 30% from three, shooting around 40% from the field. I mean, just an absolutely embarrassing offensive showing from a guy. It looks like he's working on his mechanics, but he's got a lot of work to do to be a competent NBA offensive Mm -hmm. player and the longer way to go to justify, you know, trading up for that number six pick. Yeah. So it will be very interesting to see where they go with the pick, but I have no doubt they'll be doing, uh, you know, their due diligence.
0: Right. All right, guys, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. Thanks again for listening. Uh, to the mn miracle podcast uh sorry for maybe some technical difficulties we've had some cutting in and out due to uh, us learning the process of this podcast deal so bear with us we'll get better um but thanks again for listening and uh hopefully you'll listen again next week we'll see you then